Welcome to Chasing the Chaos. Where like the storm chasers, we chase the chaos of the storm. We take the mayhem of mainstream media and spice it up with an interesting twist. Honey, like close the windows, we're flying by like Inglewood. Like, I, you know, <laughs> it's literally on our hands because of what we did. So they're doing whatever it takes to make sure that all avenues are covered. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. This all is right. getting chaotic. Republican supermajority in the state legislature carried out its threat Thursday to expel two black Democratic lawmakers from their seats for peacefully protesting gun violence on the House floor last week, breaking with decorum as thousands rallied outside the Capitol to demand gun control days after the Covenant Elementary School shooting in Nashville that killed six, including three nine-year-olds. Three Democratic lawmakers in Tennessee protested a gun reform bill on the Nashville Metro Council floor. The GOP lead legislator expelled Representative Justin Jones and State Representative Justin Pearson, who are both young black Democrats. The last of the Tennessee three, State Representative Gloria Johnson, was spared expulsion from the state judiciary, who happened to be a white woman. Soon after, the two black representatives were expelled, Protests around the nation arose in favor of the former Tennessee representative reinstatements. I was shocked to have the Speaker of the House condemn mothers and children and grandmothers and parents and concerned citizens clergy lie on them and say that they were violent insurrectionists. And I think that he owes the people of Tennessee an apology because at no point was there violence. At no point did we encourage violence. In fact, what we were doing was calling for the end of gun violence that is terrorizing our children day after day after day, and all we offer are moments of silence. More questions were raised throughout the country about why two black men were expelled, but Tennessee State Rep Gloria Johnson survived, getting axed for the same actions as her cohorts. The Republican majority claims they were not silencing black voices, but attempting to keep order on the state as they were threatened by the unlawful gathering during the recess period. Public pressure mounted on the GOP's shoulders to reinstate Justin Jones. There's now a public outcry for Republicans to answer for their questionable actions. Were the Republicans' decision to expel Jones and Pearson the correct response? And why did state rep Justin Jones get reinstated was it because of a public outcry or self-reflection? It's a clear case of them not wanting to address the issue because Justin Jones and Justin Peterson and Gloria Johnson were all trying to advocate against the gun situations that are going on currently because look at the amount of shootings. In the past week alone, we've had only four to five, well, only, but we've had a lot of shootings, so it's four so to five sad. shootings. It is. And the fact that they retaliated just by kicking them out because they were very outspoken and they had very good opinions, and they were trying to quote-unquote rally, that doesn't seem like a good reason to get them kicked off because there were very, there were a lot of other measures where the expulsion measure was used in the past, such as, you know, the con contempt of authority, where one of the people, they were acting out in court. Like, they were actually threatening towards the GOP. They had one person who was accepting bribes, and they had another person who was already under investigation for sexual misconduct. So this doesn't really seem to fit under that category for why they would be expelled. Mm, that's, that's a really good point. What do you think? Uh, I mean, should they have been expelled? No. 
I think this was more to diverge from the actual issue. I think GOP Republicans are really good at diverging the issue into something else. So they're going to make it about and you know free speech when really what they were protesting was against guns. But now that this is kind of taken over the mainstream liberal media and the mainstream Republican media, what they were protesting gets overshadowed by what happened after. And to be honest, a lot of people are saying that the Republicans, this kind of like now they have egg on their face. But I think in actuality, they got away from the actual issue, what they were protesting for. And now it's just about reinstating and about race and things like that, because liberals love to hyper focus on race on every subject. I'm not saying it didn't have anything to do with race because two of the state representatives were black and expelled and the one white woman was able to stay. So was there some racial disparity? Probably because it's in Tennessee, a southern state with a lot of deep historic racial agitation. But I will say that I think it's good that he has been reinstated, Justin Jones. I don't know about Justin Pearson. Two. Well, like you said, it makes the representative of the House, it makes their case worse because the just because they, the fact that they did this doesn't help their case because now they're just showing that such a simple change that they need to make, it's somehow, quote unquote, complicated for them to do for some unknown reasons. But Livezone, what do you think? So for me, uh, were the Republicans' decision to expel Jones and Pearson the correct response? Hell no. Hell no. I don't think that that was correct at all. Because like you said, they may have been rallying, but there were still three people there. Why didn't all three get expelled if that was the case scenario? Right. You know what I mean? So that's, that's the number one thing. The number two thing, um, I think they got reinstated because of the outcry. I really do. I don't think that they were out here being like, oh, we made a mistake. I think because of the outcry that happened is why they got reinstated to begin with. Um, but one thing that I am going to say is, you know, with the rallying and everything like that, you know, with such a huge problem, you really have to do something different because what people have been doing with the protests and all these peaceful protests, it has not been working. There's mm. still how many shootings happening a week. I think that with them trying to do the rallying and everything like that, it brought a different aspect to it. So therefore, they were just trying to solve a problem. And, it's true. I mean... And, for me, I, I don't see why they got expelled in the first place, but there, you know, it probably like like you said, it probably had some racial part in it. But for my point of view, this this whole thing is it just shouldn't have happened. Well, the only thing is, you don't want the rallies, you don't want all all of that getting out of hand to a point out of hand. But you still want something different because if you look at all the protests that are happening, it's all these peaceful protests and nothing nothing good is coming out of it. There's no, there's still shootings everywhere around the U.S. There's, there's, like you said, four to five this week. I mean, something has to be done. Something has to change. And for them to actually put out there and rally, you know, to stop this shit, I mean, I agree with them 110% of the way. Yeah. I don't think it was a good idea or a correct response at all for the Republicans to make this decision. I feel like it's only adding gasoline to the flame of controversy that they're trying to put out and sweep under the rug, but now the rug's just like burning on fire mm, and I screaming agree. for help. I agree. Yep. Um, along with the people 
protesting. I, I agree with the peaceful protesting, but so far through the media, I've seen the Republican Party, the specifically the GOP, target protests in acts of vulnerability when it comes to the government. They kind of label it as violent, terrorism, aggression, demolish, destroy, destruct. They, they bash all these labels upon the protesters, and I don't think it's fair. I think it's just putting another layer of we don't have to take accountability for what they really want. Yep. And the media and the public outreach is just kind of fueling this fire, so they're, they're rolling with it because it's distracting people now. Exactly. It's distracting people from 110%. the big question, which is surrounded by guns. And unfortunately, we still don't have an answer to that. So until we get that answer, this kind of shit with the four or five, maybe even more shootings a week, it's going to happen until somebody puts a stop to it, which is what they were trying to do. So then why would they divert from it? That's the only, that's what I'm getting at is, like I said previously, they don't want it to get out of hand, but at the same time, they're not being noticed with the peaceful protests that are going on currently. Exactly. So they had to at least make a step up, but not too much to the point where they're saying, oh, you're being disorderly and all of that. So they're, they might be using that as the excuse. Or, or they made a change because they were scared of the outcome that was going to happen again to them. So they're appealing for the public opinion. But to, like. but to play devil's advocate, which is kind of like unfortunate to do here, were, did the Republicans have a right to expel the state members? Like maybe they should have done all three, but they did protest. It was during a recess period, but like it is kind of disorderly, right? To have a protest inside the, the floor when there is going to be a session, there was a lot of commotion, there was singing and things like that. I don't disagree because it was a peaceful protest, but maybe, just maybe, you wait until after the meeting. So you're talking about time know. and placement? Yeah, maybe time and place. I mean, that's what the Republicans are arguing, that it was just not the time and place for it. Do they have a well, right? Why do they, why do they have the right to say that you can protest during this certain time and that wasn't the right time, so we're going to... You that know, is true well, because that, they won't take it as sense. Sense. they won't take it as seriously because if it's within a certain like time zone they say oh you can do this at three o'clock on this day that I, they don't take it very seriously. Though. I think what you're saying and what you're getting at is exactly what they want us to talk about. They want us to they wanted to get mad about the timing to distract from what they're really upset point. about. That's a very good They're going to get upset about the manner in which they protested to distract from the policies that they're protesting. Right. But with that being said, though, taking emotion out of it and going from a place of like looking at the rules and if that's appropriate or not, I would say it's probably not appropriate. And if they want to, like you said, Live Zone, if they wanted to do a protest and have like the Republicans hear it and stuff, they could have it right outside. But they went inside the building, they were singing songs, they were being very loud. And what I'm saying to you is there's a time and place which is appropriate and a time and place which is not. You have to choose your battles wisely. And when you choose your battles wisely, you have a better chance of success. I think it's just knowing the time and place. And Republicans, we know they're going to get upset about everything and make a little issue into a deeper one. And that'll be the next topic we talk about. So I just think you have to be you have to play it smarter. That's it. The I only mean, thing that brings brings back or brings to attention is the Capitol riots that happened a while back. They were trying to protest something. But does that give them a right to storm the Capitol building? No, so, but that's the same thing I'm saying. Does that give them a right to go inside the building and start singing songs and disrupting it even, 
even if a the meeting protest is a protest right but they're inside the building which i'm saying they can't do that you can't just lead protesters Guys, inside the building can i bring an attention to you real quick Notice how we're fighting about the time and place and not actually discussing what the they're protesting. No, but That's a good we do, I stated that in the beginning. <laughs> I said Republicans are obviously using this as a way to distract. Even though they're using it as a ploy to distract, it doesn't change the fact that they might be right about it. So, yes, they are switching it. So we are hyper-focusing on this issue and bringing it about race and things like that, which is funny because it's kind of hypocritical because Republicans always talk, the left bring make everything about race, but Republicans only do it when they can use it as a tool to distract, right? But what I'm saying, though, is even though they're doing that, they still might have a little bit of validity. Is it sneak tactics and bad faith tactics? Yes. But what I'm saying is it still has a level of validity. I can see that point. At the end of the day, that's all it really is. Politics is trying to find a loophole in the system to where it makes it quote unquote right. So the thing that I don't get though is what about Justin Jones being reinstated but not Pearson? Well, it's just public pressure. It's public pressure. It's not any kind of reflection like the question had asked. It's just public pressure. I think it's just a way to get a little bit of the heat off the Republican Party that's in Tennessee. But you know, it's just pandering. They're so just that, pandering. See, they're smarter. They're smart. Like, they know what to do. They know that the left and a lot of the people who support the left, they're very emotional. And it's not wrong to be emotional, especially about sensitive subjects like this, right? But what I'm saying is they can use that emotion and use it as a tool. So they know there's a lot of pressure that why was two of the three who happened to be black, why were they kicked out? So Republicans are like, all right, well, we'll reinstate one. And they did it after two weeks, and the usual time for a state representative to be reinstated is four weeks, but they did it in two. I didn't even know that, so thank yeah. you for teaching me something new about the more the you know, Jordy, the more you so know. do you think that the other one will be reinstated eventually? Why since would you? you said, since you said it was four weeks, right? So they reinstated one at two. Are they going to reinstate the other one in Maybe the next not. two weeks? Maybe not. Maybe they'll use that and be like, look, we let one brother back uh. in. But the other, he's got to fight for it a little like bit more. leniency. We yeah. were lenient enough here. Yeah, we were lenient and we were fair. And they're the emotional ones. They're the ones who got aggressive. And hey, we looked at it and we we thought to ourselves after some self-reflection, hey, you know what? Justin Jones is good. But Justin Pearson, he's going to have to work on that. And, and hey, there it is. And hey, if he wants to work for it, then there's, hey, there's a few policies in Tennessee that there's a few bills that are we need some multi-party configuration. So next few bills... Pearson, if you're willing to play ball, then you know what? Maybe we'll reinstate you after four or six weeks because we're going to make an example out of you. There's the distraction that they wanted. They're trying to focus on, oh, we're going to reinstate him later. We're not going to focus on the gun control. They're switching the whole mindset of the population to focusing on the quote-unquote racially, uh, racially motivated, if you want to call it an attack, racially motivated political attack. Yeah, I agree. So that's the reason why that they needed to do something different is because of everything that's happening and all the distractions that are happening. They need people, say, like us to talk about the real problem. And that's how they got that is because they did something different in the rallying instead of the peaceful protest. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? I can get what you're saying um, because I there's a chance that the four of us wouldn't be talking about this if the protest didn't go the way it did. If the process, if the protest didn't obtain these controversies, obtain these differences in timing and structure, there's a chance that we 
wouldn't have been hearing so, about this. Exactly. So yes, they did it on their own time. Yes, they did it on their own like they, they picked their battles, but they picked them wisely enough that we're still talking about the real problem and the real issue right now. Does that make sense? But we're not. We're not really. Like we we haven't really talked at all about gun reform. Well, that's, and that's the thing. No, we haven't. And that's what that's I'm what saying. That's what I've been bringing it back to. That's yeah, but that's not what people are bringing it back to. The story that we're even doing is about the Tennessee Three. So it has nothing to do. It's not about gun reform in Tennessee. Yeah, we're talking about it a little bit about what they were protesting. But the bigger issue and the story that people are following is about race. It's about the two black senators who were kicked out by a majority white Republican party. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about gun reform. We're not talking about the six people who were just shot in the schools. We're not talking about the three dead children. That's not what we're talking about at all. What we're talking about is, again, just bullshit pandering of what the Republicans like to do and misdirect and manipulate. It's simple. That's what we're talking about. So I feel like that brings it back to the whole thing. We're, we're focusing on that distraction. We're, we're going to bring it right back. The whole some or the whole idea of what we're talking about is around the Republicans distraction for the public and for people like us that are trying to advocate against gun control. And they're just trying to, at the end of the day, they're just trying to get rid of the problem. Even though there's been so many rallying, there's been so much that people are trying to do to get that point across. They're trying to find those loopholes again. There's the word loophole. They're trying to find that loophole that gets it off their back, get the whole public opinion and everything off their back and the fact that we're covering it shows that their strategy may be working but i don't think that's what we want stay tuned for our next segment where things get lightly controversial the long-standing beer company anheuser-busch is stirring up a lot of controversy within this past week for their paid sponsorship with transgender tiktok influencer dylan mulvaney Many conservatives are up in the arms and protesting the beer for the partnership between Bud Light and Mulvaney. Music artist Kid Rock has even participated in the conservative boycott of the beer brand with his own twist by shooting the beer cans in his backyard with an AR-15. Grandpa's feeling a little frisky today. Let me uh, say something to all you and be as clear and concise as possible. which we all know is the most reasonable thing you can do during a brand boycott. <laughs> Bud Light's spokesperson has stated that the company has had declining sales numbers for years and is trying to include a new, younger, fresh demographic that is inclusive and adaptable. So it used to be like five years ago, the idea was you do your thing, we do our thing, we don't bother each other. That was called tolerance. You want to dress up like a woman? Fine. Now the rules have changed completely Worship me as I dress up like a woman or I'll crush you. That's why suddenly everything, even beer cans, are celebrating and promoting transgenderism. By the way, you know, a beer for basically poor white people. How would you market that? Would you market that beer to, let's say, a bunch of millennial idiots who believe that men can become women? Well, if you are the marketing manager, the VP over at Bud Light, you're damn well right you would. Here are the rules. You can violate any rule you want so long as you are a Democrat. That's the way this works. And not only that, you will be subsidized and you will be sponsored if you buy into the radical agenda and if you are a member of the radical hierarchy of the agenda. So they sent this transgender activist, Dylan Mulvaney, 
uh, packs of beer, cases of beer with his face on it, his, her, slash, she, it, whatever. So the two major beers would be Budweiser and Bud Light, which are both owned by that company, Anheuser-Busch. Stella, owned by Anheuser-Busch. Modelo, owned by them. Good old Rona, owned by them. Listen up, ladies. Nick Ultra is also owned by them. Some better ones that are not owned by them, which I will be switching to. Coors is almost as good anyway, so probably switching over to that one. Okay, first of all, no one asked what brand he's switching to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I got a question for you guys. Is Bud Light trying to stir up controversy to boost up profit sales by woke virtue signaling? Or did the partnership have a genuine LGBTQIAPK plus BIPOC community sponsorship? What do you guys think? And if you think I just made up the letters, hold on, let me say it again. The LGBTQIA, PK plus BIPOC community. Wait, can you tell me one more time? I the think LG- I forgot. Yeah, Jordan, I sure can. So it is the LGBTQIA, PK plus BIPOC community. Thank you. You're welcome. Huh? <laughs> oh, you didn't hear that? One more time. The LGBTQIA, PK plus BIPOC community. All right. All right, all right. I'm going to leave the singing to you. That, yeah. that, that's, that's, <laughs> leave the singing yeah, to me. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I'm going to say that I think it's a little bit of both. I think one, yes, it was supposed to be genuine in all concerns and all that. Um, but like, think about it. It's marketing 101. They knew people were going to get mad at it. I mean, it's it, mm. it's that type of thing where it's like, all right, well, we know what's coming, but it's going to bring a lot more sales on the other side. Because so, they know it's going to bring so much more attention that they're covering this topic. Right. Exactly. It makes sense. And let's just not forget that Bud Light, has its sales have been dwindling and declining for years now. I think they're kind of at the point where they're going to grasp at straws. And I don't think it's actually fair to the LGBTQIA PK plus BIPOC community because, number one, they're using them. Again, like I talked about on the last session, as a tool. As a tactic. Are you guys starting to see the themes that people are doing now? They're using things that people have emotional responses like gun reform, like race, like- Sexual orientation. Sexual orientation. And they're using those things as a way to divide. Now, are these conservatives who are freaking the fuck out? Of course they are. But they're taking the bait. And guess who's going to take the bait on the other end? The left. Yeah. They're also going to take the bait. Yeah. So it's just, it's a cycle. It's almost, it's almost fun to see when you kind of look from an observational point of view and you're not in the mix. It's kind of fun to see like these children fight over non-issues. Now I feel bad for Dylan Mulvaney because who is just trying to start their career. Like she's just started doing what she wants to do. So it's kind of sucks that there's going to be a lot of controversy and shadow, but maybe this exposure will actually help her in the end, which I'm guessing it will. So it's funny that you mentioned the controversy that she's going to be facing, but I think she accepted this this offer, this partnership, because she's already used to being controversial. She's already used to not being understood. People are have already based their projections and ideologies and belief systems onto them. So I don't think necessarily she's phased by the contra, controversial outlash, but I do think from a business perspective that Bud Light observed their numbers going down and thought, hey, what's a way that I can modernly approach our our daily consumers, which is why they might have gone this route. 
I'd like to say I think it's a good business tactic. I think it's a good way to promote the company, good way to share the voices of people who are transgender and who do drink Bud Light, and I think it's inclusive. Um, well, like LiveZone was saying earlier, this is a business strategy that they were trying to do of where they were trying to take this very sensitive topic and controversial topic and appeal to the generation that's going to take the most offense to it. Now, me personally, you know, I'm Christian, so I don't exactly agree with the values, but I'm not going to judge someone well, different. What do you don't? What do you not agree? Because like that's cool that you're saying like I'm Christian and stuff, but like that's not like what are you not agreeing about? Loving or with two people of the same gender loving each other, uh, romantically loving each other. But that's not transgenderism. That's Have you gay. ever seen Girls Kiss? Uh yeah. Well, I bet he has. <laughs> I bet he has, but probably, I mean, uh, probably late honest. in the bedroom. <laughs> Let's be honest. Everyone has though, because I mean, it's all you're gonna see in like in daily life. Because, like Jordan said, we're gonna. That's that's what our new normal. That's our new normal, and it's for me. It's sad to say because I was raised very traditionally. I was yeah. raised with just male gets the female, female gets the male. But with current generation or with the current generation, that's that has seemed to change, and I think that's what Bud Light has done, especially with the area that they're in, because there's a heavy. LGBT population in Texas where the company is. So they were trying to appeal to that. Now, the common stereotype is obviously, you know, American dad has the Bud Light watching, kicking back, watching uh, football, football. Yeah. watching football yeah. in their recliner. Like, that's the typical, like, cracking open a cold one. Like, that's their typical one. So the fact that they were going woke that, or quote-unquote woke, that shows that they were trying to include the younger drinkers to, quote-unquote, evolve and elevate the brand i don't buy it i i do <laughs> i mean look at it you know i mean you know we have we have so many different uh everything now it, it, and it just shows like they're just trying to head into the younger direction it's like everything when you're when you have a company and you're so directed at one type of person or one type of age you want to do something to you know, go towards the other side. So therefore, I can see why they're doing it. But, do, okay, let me ask this question then. Like you said before, LiveZone, you said that they knew there was going to be controversy yeah, for it. Yeah, they did. Of course they did. They knew there was going to be controversy for it. Of course. So, but it's not both, though. It's, it's not, not both. It's not no, no, that's what I'm saying. It's not, it's bad faith tactics. They're using Is transgender people. That's what I'm no, saying. No, but that's what I'm saying. It's, they're using transgenders as a tool to get a lot of controversy, get a lot of buzz for sale profits. How is that okay? Somebody who comes out as trans, who their whole life, they thought, I am in the wrong body, right? I'm in the wrong body. And they have struggled and fought their whole lives being marginalized, bullied, not feeling like they have a place. And how is that okay for, if this is what we think, Bud Light is using it for controversy, why is that okay to make their trauma and what they're dealing with a tactic for them to get more sales numbers and more profits? Now, if it's not that, and they're just trying to be more inclusive, then I fully apologize, right? Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is, I think they knew this was gonna be controversial and they did it from a bad faith tactic instead of doing it from a place of genuine caring or understanding because they know, right? If it was a different company, then I might let it slide, but it's Bud Light and they know that their fan base is completely conservative. It's absolute bullshit. It's bullshit. They're doing it 
because they are using people. They're using people, which, which is a serious issue in this country where transgenders are in danger, I do believe. And I think they're doing it from a bad faith tactic type of way. Where, well, before, before you even talk, I, I do want to say that, yes, they knew that it was controversial, controversial, but I don't think they were looking at it in a controversial way of saying, all right, well, our target audience is now going to be affected by it. I don't think that that's the route that they were going against. Whenever that's whenever, not what I'm saying either. Though. Whenever, whenever there's a, let's say a transgender or a gay person or whatever it may be, there's going to be controversy there, regardless, because of how the how today in the world is. So by me saying that they knew that they that there was going to be controversy there, I don't think it meant to be towards their brand or towards their marketing, more towards of why they were doing. I see. I mean, look at the past that they had, too. They were very, Bud Light was very inclusive for the LGBT population in the past. Like, I'm talking 90s, 2000s, and upwards. So they've been one of the pinnacle brands to advocate for the LGBT community. Just now that it's a more serious or more developed advertising tactic, it, it seems to rub people off in the wrong way based on the common stereotype of how the company was. You see, I kind of want to bring it into it. So, all right. So I'm going to bring it into something that I know more about. Sure. So take WWE, for example, right? They had their own thing going with like their attitude era. They, you know, it was projected towards the, um, the, the teenager audience, mm -hmm. correct? And then after that, they went to the PG era. After when they went to the PG era, they were more focused towards kids. Right. That's what Bud Light is doing right now. Okay. That's that's the way that I'm looking at it. Okay. And because they're switching onto a direct opposite, of course, is going to be controversy. It's just that it, it they didn't necessarily think that you know a boycott or anything like that was going to happen. And going off of that, it seems like they're going they're splitting up between for the people versus for this generation. So okay. they're trying to figure out. What is the best strategy for them to appeal, not just to LGBT, but the most popular topics of current times? Generation Z, like we said, is LGBT. That's one of the most popular trends that's coming on in recent times. So it makes sense why they would appeal to it. Now, like you said, whether or not they're using Mulvaney for this purpose, that's going to change whether it's good or bad. But from the business strategy it seems like they're just trying to appeal and trying to raise profits based on what's popular. But that, that's the point. I'm not disagreeing if it's coming from a genuine place. But what I'm saying is if it's not coming from a genuine place, then what they're doing is bad. And it doesn't yeah. help their case. It doesn't help their case that their numbers have been declining for years. Now, if they're just switching up to get younger and stuff like that, and it's all genuine, hey, we got we want like a social media influencer to kind of be the head of it, then that's great, and I'm not disagreeing. But what I'm saying is, if they know, which I think they do, because they're businessmen yeah. who have one of the biggest beer companies in the world, I think they know. So what I'm saying is, I feel bad for somebody like Dylan Mulvaney, in a sense, if she is getting used as a prop instead of an ambassador. So then I'm going to bring up the question, and this question's been very prevalent with the LGBT community, just with how people think of it. What is y'all's opinion on the LGBT being associated with a mental illness in the Gen Z and 
previous generations? I think mental illness is everywhere. No matter what you identify as, mental illness is either genetic or inherited, uh, but also can be influenced by external situations such as trauma and exposure to really bad things. Well, then that's what I'm saying. What is the opinion on having LGBT and having that as the cause for the mental illness, quote unquote, you're not really gay, you're just So for example- But that's not trans, that's different. Like that's a different thing. Trans, being trans is different than being gay. Yeah. Like you can like, so I'll use myself as I'm using an example real quick and then Jordan, maybe you can piggyback off what I'm saying. So I could have felt like my whole life, bro, like spiritually, like, bro, I am a woman. Like I'm literally a woman, right? Like that's how I always feel like it. I still like girls, but I still feel like I was always supposed to be a woman. Whereas if I'm gay, I'm sexually attracted to men. Oh. That is a good specification. Okay, that's a good point to bring up. I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm not saying that I'm actually against the people that are. Like, I'm just against the ideal because, let me just say, if you're gay, if you're bi, if you're trans, I have nothing against you. Like, I'm not going to judge you in any way for it. But I'm just saying is the fact that, let's just take your example, that you consider yourself a woman your whole life, even though you're a male, would that consider you, quote, unquote, mentally ill? Oh, okay. I understand what you're asking now. Oh, You see how that's different now? Like, that's a different, or that's a topic that's been pretty prevalent as LGBT has been raising. Like, does that consider, does that consider Mm. someone as mentally ill just because they think differently of their gender? It depends on the person, I guess. I wouldn't say so. I wouldn't say so because I believe that mental illness can be linked again to inherited genetics and, and influences in an external force. Right. Yeah. Okay. What but are you gonna? Can, it can say? be linked to a lot. I mean, there has been things that have happened to say my friends that have been traumatic, and they made a change after that. You know what I mean? So I, I, I'm gonna say it depends on the person in their case. But yeah. okay. I, I feel like I that's feel a like hard. That's a very hard. I feel question. like it's unfair <laughs> yeah. to label people as if they identify as LGBTQ. It's unfair. Yeah. to label them as mentally ill. 100%. Because yeah, I agree with that. Mentally ill, it kind of all ties back into people, to being human. And it doesn't matter what color you are, what gender you are. If you got depression, you got depression, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. right. But what X is saying is, I don't know if you guys are fully understanding the question he's asking. He's asking if you want to change, is your mental, is your mental ability at risk if you feel like changing and you feel like you're trapped as a woman and you're not able to fulfill that, maybe for financial reasons or for some other reason, maybe your family's not very accepting, your friends aren't very accepting. He's saying the feeling of wanting to change, does that give you some mental exhaustion? Yes and no. I'm kind of asking if that, I mean, Jordan also answered it, if that considers that person in the general group of having a mental illness? Like, would LGBT... I wouldn't say so. Okay. That, I would not say so. Yeah. I would say they're two different things, two different spectrums, okay. and anyone can fall in between either of them. Uh, yeah, and maybe, you know, we're all at the school. Maybe we can do an interview so, like, we're not just speaking for them and we can, you know, oh, give them right. a voice or a platform, maybe just a little audio excerpt, yeah. an interview that one of us can do to maybe get a little bit more clarification so we all know. And that's what we're doing okay. for the audience. Mm-hmm. We're just having open discussions because we're really trying to understand and we're not trying to undermine anybody. Exactly. Like, these questions are very hard to talk about because... 
people are going to get triggered. If you try and ask someone this in a very respectful manner and you're trying to gather information, nine times out of 10, you're going to get hate for it just because oh, yeah. you want to know. Well, oh, hold yeah. on though. Slow, slow the brakes because that's a projection and that's, that's fear. That's fear of being ridiculed or something. Sometimes you just got to ask. Again, like we said about the mental illness with the LGBT, it's case by case, right? Some people do, some people don't. Some people might get triggered when you ask that. Some people might be like, hey, like I have some time and I want to talk. You know what I'm saying? So do not put yourself in a box or limit yourself until we actually ask. Well, before we go, I have a question as well. Not as deep as what Mr. Next Step was asking. <laughs> Mine's kind of a little bit, you know, of a dumb question, but, um, you know, for all the Bud Light drinkers, right, the ones that are boycotting and not drinking Bud Light anymore, do you think that, like, it's justified or do you think it's stupid that, because for me, I'm looking at it as, you know, when uh, Nike, um, they made Colin Kaepernick their main person and then after that, people started burning their Nikes and everything. And then, like, two weeks later, they would go out and buy new Nikes. That's what, exactly. That, I was thinking that. I, I think that consumers are going to fucking forget about it. Exactly. I think and they're going to forget gonna go about back. it in a month mm-hmm. and then go back to the brand and not give a fuck and say, well, this is my boy, look. Yeah, because, <laughs> because for all the people that are going to something like Coors Light, for example, you know what I mean? They're going to be, they're going to drink it. They're going to be like, man, this really sucks. Like, I really wish I had a Bud Light right now. And then they're going to go back. So I think, I think that, you know, for all the people that are boycotting, it's time to grow up because if you like what you like, fucking like it. It's not that big of a deal. You know what I mean? Do you, but like at the same time, it's like, I I don't know. That also pings off of what Marcos was saying earlier and not using that fear of, what people are going to think just because you drink Bud Light with Mulvaney's face on it, that's going to discourage you from drinking the brand altogether. But like Livezone said, if you like it, you like it. It doesn't really matter what kind of hate you're going to get for it. Exactly. It's a fucking can. It's not the drink that's being just, changed. Just recycle it. That's all I care about. <laughs> just fucking recycle it. But to kind of wrap it up, I just want to just make a point that I've kind of noticed. Do you see who started this? whole thing and this is what i was kind of saying like is bud light's decision malicious or was it genuine because they started this open discussion this discourse right so it's kind of good because we're getting an understanding and learning but at the same time people are going up in arms about it people are getting emotional about it and who wins at the end of this whole situation the people who created it that's what i'm talking about manipulating and controlling bud light is going to win at the end of this see yeah but at the same time it's not because you know you know, it's they're not coming back because, oh, whatever, like I was wrong or anything. They're going to come back because, like, man, this other bear really sucks. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? So, like, at the end of the day, you're going to you're gonna still have the people that you were originally going towards marketing-wise. But now you have that other source that is for the younger people. Thank you for sharing Live Zone. That has been the second segment of Chasing the Chaos. Next up, we're getting electric. The future of technology is at hand with a new advancement for energy. A team of scientists at the University of Rochester have developed the first superconductor. If able to be mass-produced, it would revolutionize the energy input and output of the world, according to the Department of Energy. Materials that conduct at room temperature conditions will be enablers of developing and advancing clean energy storage and electrochemical conversion technologies. 
What could United States do to capitalize on this discovery? But first, next step, could you explain in depth what exactly this is and what it means in English, please? <laughs> All right. Well, in its simplest form, no electrical resistance means more energy flow. So now you're getting into the future of floating slash flying, quote unquote, cars and the maglev, which is the maglev magnetic levitation train. And just to throw this out there, maglev trains could hypothetically travel almost 400 miles an hour because there's no resist, no electrical resistance that can hold them. And if they get too far from that little U-shaped pillar in the middle, it's going to push them right back because all it is is magnets on the bottom and an electrical flow. So they can't derail because of that strong electromagnetic force. So the fact that we have a room temperature conductor opens up the pathway for that because now we're getting into that point where I'm starting to get convinced that the cyberpunk future that we want is getting closer and closer. Oh, for sure. Like we have baby steps right now, but think about where this could be 20 years from now, 30 years from now. I, I can't even fathom. I don't want to. At the rate, <laughs> I don't want to. I can't even fathom that because at the rate that we're accel accelerating now with technology advancements and everything, it's, it's incredible. Right. Now, this is funny because a year ago on the 1O podcast, he was saying that we were hundreds of years away from this. Well, don't get me wrong. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I still feel like a couple hundred years would help perfect this because we could probably have a very, very prototype flying, hovering car, but it, it's going to look real ratchet. Like, it won't look good. Maybe. It might. I don't know. For, given if you look at it, like, a couple hundred years from there, it's going to be more perfected. Like, you won't see all the boosters and everything. It'll just be, it'll look like the Black Panther ship, where it just looks like a hover. I love that. That's what I'm saying. It could look like that. But we, this is just a small step in that. So the fact that we have something less than a finger or less than, like, a fingertip, size for flotation at room temperature that's huge you always say it's like a minor step i think this is a big step into the next direction almost the next step right yeah <laughs> <laughs> i like how you did that but no you're you're right it could be seen as a big step or a small step i'm just looking in the grand scope of it of where we could see it of how we see it in the movies and everything it's somewhat of a big step a big step would be like okay now we actually have a floating car. Now we have a working maglev system or something like that would be considered a big step because that shows that that technology is now being put into use. But I can agree that this is still a big step for these kind of developments because not only is it for these kind of flying cars and maglev systems, that's going to help drop electricity bills tremendously because now you have something called super coil, superconductor coils, which would help store energy at really no, it would store it at really. Compact yeah. sources of energy in it, such a compact location. Right. So that also helps with uh, housing. It could help with energy transportation, all of that. So you're looking on the level of windmills, looking on the well, level of solar panels. Like that's the energy that we're getting into. So. I would, you, would you say that this is borderline renewable? Yes, it could be renewable because now those superconductor coils are being used more frequently and they can store 200 times more energy or they can travel 200 times faster than a normal copper wire. So imagine what an actual power plant that we have right now for electrical energy, imagine what that could do with superconductor power. 
you're talking a thousand, two thousand times the power for a city. Now, when you say renewable, when you say renewable, what's renewable? That uh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I would say the energy that the energy itself. The manner in which the energy is being conducted is in a renewable manner. Right. So I think the methods, that's a good wording, the way that the energy is made, it's being more compact. So it has less of an impact on the environment, therefore helping the earth. But Reducing also, the carbon footprint. Exactly. So right now we're still dependent on fossil fuels for a lot of it. So take solar panels, for example. A lot of houses now, they have solar panels active. It's me. Yeah. And it's not a bad thing. That's very good because it helps collect all that sunlight energy and use it for the nighttime, but you still need those, you need, you need fuel to function those solar panels. It's not strictly renewable, but it is semi-sustainable. Exactly. So it's a, for those, it's a step in that direction, finding Mm. things that are more sustainable, self-sustainable and more green for the environment. Now X, when you were mentioning the, the trains earlier, it made me think about Japanese bullet trains Yep. and how fast they go. Have you mm-hmm. ever seen clips of a Japanese bullet train? No. They, they're they, fast. It's like this. Ready? It's like, whew, you're already in Tokyo. Like, they yeah. go so fast. It's true. So like, when I was thinking about the Japanese bullet trains and how the United States could maybe capitalize off of this advancement in energy, do you think we could maybe adjust the way that electromechanics are structured in the United States if we... Entirely possible. Yeah. Because yeah. now you're looking at, like you said, with the bullet train, you're looking at a bullet train in the U.S., you're looking at the Japanese developing that technology and going from 300 miles an hour now. <laughs> the market has the craziest face on right now. <laughs> but you're like, looking what? at you're looking at a 300 mile an hour train now. They could go 700. It could go Mach one on a train. You know how fast that is? Going faster than a bro, bull, a literal bullet bro, on a fly, train. This fly? man said, "Forget cars. I'm going to trains now." <laughs> I'm just saying that's huge for technology. I think. I'm just so happy that you brought this segment to the surface because Mm -hmm. it's so fascinating. Mm -hmm. And every single fragmentation of everything we do is based upon energy, based upon electricity, based upon innovation and technology. Right. And it just makes me wonder about the potential that this discovery has. Does Does this like lead to like zero propulsion? Like, does this lead to kind of like what UFOs do with uh, zero propulsion, right? Yes, because it's a a good first step because like we said with flying cars, they're holding themselves up using the gravitational pull of the earth. So it's going against that. You know what happens when you put two magnets, when you put two magnets together, they repel. So you're taking that energy and just putting it on a super big scale and now you have flying cars that are literally using the earth to stay up i think that's freaking awesome catch me get my license in one of those (laughs) i already have my license but i'm still taking my i'm taking my classic 1992 nsx and i'm just gonna put some hover drives on there oh yeah you You can't pull me over 100 percent can't pull me over i'm out of this bitch (laughs) pull skirt (laughs) (laughs) maybe there's no sounds maybe there's no sounds they're just (laughs) (laughs) and one last thing i do want to note is crypto mining now it's not something of course yeah it's not (laughs) something that you'd see with superconductors but with the amount of energy that goes into crypto mining this would greatly reduce it because now you're taking these whole warehouse size facilities and taking something probably the size of a car that could generate two times or double the facility amount. 
So that makes mining for Bitcoin, mining Ethereum, whatever, all of that, you can make a pretty penny off of superconductors. Wait. So this is huge. So Basically, what you're saying is that this is for all the cryptocurrency people out there. This is going to make their life easier. Pretty much. If you want to start mining, this would make finding those old Bitcoin accounts. Now, is this going? Because like the way that I see it is like you have stocks and then you have crypto. And I see stocks being a little bit higher over crypto at the moment. Do you think that this is going to push that above stocks? I don't think so because now the now it's a competition between two different markets. With stocks, you're focusing more on the business plays and what the business is specifically doing in order to raise their profits. With crypto, now you're going based off of the methodology that the stock would use where you're trading back and forth to get a better value for currency. That's all it really is, is yeah. you're trading currency back and forth to find the best value and gain the most profit. What this helps with the crypto mining, that's just finding old accounts that have, say, one or two Bitcoin, which is like $50,000. That takes, it'll help with those who are crypto mining conserve energy so their electric bill isn't that crazy. So they're making money in the process. Hold on, I'm getting a call from the FBI. (laughs) Well, all right, gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) They're saying they wanna talk to you. Yeah, put them on hold real quick. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't talked to my agent. Wow. (laughs) But anyway, just to wrap up this shocking discovery, we have some more news on the chaotic crime of the week, so stay tuned. That was smooth. That's the sound of the police. That's the sound of the police. In this week's chaotic crime of the week, the culprit is not just one person, but a whole generation of Norwegian teens who use the social media app TikTok. Apparently, a Norwegian arms manufacturer company, Nemo, said that a TikTok data center is taking up all the electricity in the region. In the area where the arms manufacturer is located, electricity is on a first-come, first-served basis. This specific weapons manufacturer has been supporting Ukraine throughout their war with Russia. Namo complained to the energy company about the electricity's usage, and the company replied it has no more capacity for the Norwegian weapons manufacturer to expand their electrical input. The Whip and Nene have officially taken over priority of Ukraine's sovereignty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Ooh. 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 Oh, God. <laughs> no, God, please, no, no, no. Should the TikTok data center be deactivated to prioritize ammunition production, or is the face wax challenge too important to miss on the social media app? The I, face wax challenge yeah. is too important to miss. I absolutely <laughs> agree, yeah. I think there needs to be a significant balance of resources here. I feel like there's an evident imbalance of energy outsourcing and there should be a regulation somehow, some way. Yeah, I agree. And it shows how much time people waste on TikTok anyway. What so, do you I mean, mean? I mean, Watch how much... Me <laughs> no, yeah, name people got to do their vines and stuff now. Oh, it's not called vines. It's people got to market. Do it for the TikTok now. <laughs> do it for the TikTok. You won't do it. <laughs> I mean, from what I heard, though, they actually plan on building a larger data center. So is that just like a big, ha, fuck you? Or <laughs> so like, they're building a, a larger one, which is... Going to take more energy. Okay, so it's going to so, hensely cause more problems? Pretty much. And they're already under fire from the U.S. from being banned. And then we're talking about the Norwegian teens. But they're already under a lot of fire from the U.S. because it's already been trending that 
they're being used as a spy software because of their quote unquote heavy Chinese investors. I mean, I use Instagram for all my clips. I use TikTok. <laughs> I use Snapchat. It's the biggest marketing. Snapchat's platform. a new one. Yeah, you can actually market yourself on Snapchat now. Yeah. But I personally market everything throughout TikTok because it's the easiest platform to market something on. That is true. And especially with the, like we said before, with the younger generation and Gen Z, a lot of people are going to be on TikTok. And that's like one of the best ways to advertise is go down to their element and whatever they're popular in. But just to bring it back to our last segment about superconductors, imagine how much energy they could have saved if they used super conductor coils or if they had that kind of compact technology imagine how that could be distributed between the tiktok data center and the ammunition because now you can watch your dog do a backflip while you're cranking out shells <laughs> cranking out 50 cows like do you yeah. think um, smarter not harder do you think <laughs> members of the generation of the norwegian teens knew about this energy surge and wanted to do it as a form of like protesting the war maybe ending violence that could be Likely. It's definitely likely that they're trying to amp up the the energy. views of the views of the Nene. Yeah, I mean the views of the Nene could be more important than cranking out three oh eight shells. So I mean it's, that could be their whole overall objective. That's freaking awful. Ooh, kill him. <laughs> Please don't. No. Please do not. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is getting chaotic. Why don't we head on over to the good news of the week? Homelessness is a big problem for us here in America, but for the people of Finland, it's almost an absolute foreign topic. There is a 0.8% of homelessness rate in the good old country of Finland. Over the past several decades, Finland is near full eradication of homeless issues with housing initiatives. Finland's success did not happen overnight, but with a well-structured policy of housing first, that gave immediate emergency housing to people who were struggling to find shelter in the Nordic country. While America has more than half a million people who are without housing, Finland took the American brood idea and successfully expanded on the concept. Will America ever emulate Finland's housing policies or do you think the homeless problem will continue to rise in the future? It's the only metaphor we have in our public discourse for solving a problem. It's called declaring a war. We've got a war on poverty, the war on crime, war on litter, the war on cancer, the war on drugs. But you ever notice there's no war on homelessness, is there? Nah, no war on homelessness. You know why? There's no money in that problem. There's no money in that problem. Nobody stands, it's true, nobody stands to get rich off of that problem. You could find a solution to homelessness where the corporate swine and the politicians could steal a couple of million dollars each. You'd see the streets of America begin to clear up pretty goddamn quick. Now, Marky the Wise actually brought that segment to surface, so do you want to elaborate? Yeah, so that was the late, great George Carlin, who is a comedian who just always was kind of just ahead of his time. I, I, I think everything he said was absolutely true. There's no money in it for America. I mean, when we look at homeless people, we're almost conditioned to just like look through them. Look oh by them, wow. you know, that's like very real. Yeah. So I just I don't know if there's no money in a situation. I just don't see a benefit that the U.S. government will do. And it's also kind of tough because there's such a large quantity of homeless people, yet there isn't that much housing. So there isn't that much of an initiative to keep going if the problem which keeps on arising is the numbers of homeless people. But the sheltering continues to dwindle. There's no give and take. And I think that's what Finland decided to change. 
because they focused less on the finances and they just focused on putting the people in the homes because look at their population. It's 5.5 million and it decreased from the, over the years from 16,000 to 4,000 that are homeless. And I mean, it's still a problem, but that's incredible numbers. 4,000 out of 5.5 million. That's, that's, that's huge. A, that's, that's a amazing. phenomenal reduction. Rate. They did an yeah, amazing job for that. And this housing first approach that you spoke about, uh, it's more focusing on the housing of the civilians before addressing other health and financial concerns. Not to say that they're not actually addressing it because there are still services that they can use, but they're focusing on putting everyone in a house first, meaning they're giving people apartments, they're giving them complexes and things like that just to keep them in the house and keep them sheltered. So they're, they're treating them like human beings. And mind you, this concept originated in the U.S. Mm. This was something that developed in New York. So can you believe that, right? Yeah, they're four or five steps ahead of us, and now we're starting to catch on. Like right. that's crazy. So I'm gonna go back a few weeks. We were talking about Finland and it being the happiest place on the planet. Uh, we were talking about the masterclass. Yep. And yep. then this comes out. It shows that they're doing a lot for the people in Finland. Oh, truly. And that's the reason why I don't think the United States will ever be at that point that Finland's at is because, unfortunately, we're not the happiest place on the world like Finland is. Yes, Finland has their problems. Everybody has their problems. But our problems are completely different from Finland's, so therefore I don't see us fully getting there like Finland is. If you're talking about city-wise, like city to city, maybe. Like I know that it got brought up this week that Hawaii and California and New York, they're going to start utilizing the structure plan that Finland had to get rid of the homelessness in their cities. So if you're talking about city-wise, yes, but as a whole, United States, I don't think so. That's a great point. And piggybacking off of that, the reason that this this housing first is so successful is because it replaces something called the revolving door approach, which basically means that you have to prove that you've overcome some kind of obstacle meaning you've beat drug addiction, you've settled some kind of debts, you talked with someone or something like that. You have to prove that. So it's good because it focuses more on the people rather than having to get some kind of compensation from it. Yeah, exactly. What you're saying, I agree with. And, you know, honestly, I don't think that people should be, you know, in the cold, like suffering for their life. Like everybody should have a home. Uh, So for Finland to do this, it just shows exactly where their mindset is and how they care for their people. Absolutely. Exactly. And I find it inspiring because maybe if the United States as a whole isn't fully representing this, some members of the community and members of the city can can heighten this idea within the United States. So there is hope and there is potential for a solution. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for listening to episode seven of Chasing the Chaos. I'm Jordan. I'm Next Up. I'm Live Zone. I'm Marky. And we will catch you here, same place, next week.